All right. Alexa, play the Hollywood Anonymous podcast opening to do our show. Yes. No, thank you. <laughs> oh. I tried. It's still she's still talking. Is she? Alexa, stop. Alexa, don't fight me. <laughs> Alexa. Never mind. Don't play Nevermind by Nirvana. I'm sorry. Alexa, stop. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I'm Brian Irwin. And I'm Alexa. <laughs> she just heard you again. I'm, she said, stop. Alexa, stop. I'm John Huck. <laughs> Brian has the government listening to his every move. Do you hear about that? Okay, I mean, so... What do you want? What is there to hear about? I didn't hear... There's a specific story. No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. All right. I, I'm, and, I, and again, I'm probably... This is probably 50% true, so it's mostly Trump. This is, um, I guess, some guy committed a crime, like murdered somebody oh, in the yeah, house. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and yep. they were like, and the FBI was like, we want access to the, they noticed there was a echo an echo in yeah. the house, and they were going to act, because it records X amount of dialogue. And I was like, are they hoping that the criminals ask Alexa a question? Yep. But, they, but the criminal, yeah, if it was like. Or is it actually recording stuff in your house? That's what I don't understand. It's now, reco- Amazon it's is rec- saying no, by the way. They're not, they're they're not letting them have it because it is recording stuff in their house. That's why. Because they have a deeper contract with the government that nobody knows about, I'm sure. So if you have an Echo, like right now, the government is enjoying, kind of like Marilyn Manson, they're, they're also enjoying they're, our, the Hollywood Anonymous <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Marilyn Manson got mad at our podcast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Marilyn Manson got mad at your podcast. Would you like to explain that? Oh, we got to bring in our guest now. <laughs> I, thought, I didn't we, mean to jump. We got, we, every, <laughs> got excited about Marilyn Manson. Obviously, our guest is a stand-up comedian, everybody, because... Uh, uh, am I not talking in the microphone? Hello? You're good, you're good not, right there. That's perfect. Not one stand-up has been able to withstand the five... <laughs> well, we're going to talk for five minutes and then bring you in. They're like, nope, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to get involved. Well, you, didn't, you threw something a fucking super... In- I would have had to sit there and be like, Marilyn, I would have just... Well, Maybe we, you would have got into it. Well, we I, would have explained it. Yeah. yeah All right. Yeah. Guys, our guest for today, episode 90, big, is big Marilyn day, Manson. Is, Marilyn, is comedian, writer, actor, Dave Waite. Ooh, yeah. We're, th- we're making it like a real business card, though, oh, the extra dude. titles on. L- well, unless you, had a, unless you have a business <laughs> card with a some- print? Do you have a wacky- Oh, have a business show card producer with like, as well. Oh, show producer. Uh, oh, yeah, Blind Barber. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but also television or just- no, somebody, just, yeah. a, just a comedy stand-up uh, show. Dave yeah, helps run a very, actually super successful, I've only done it once, the first year it started. It's been going on for, what, five years now? Yeah, it'll be four years in February. Four years in February, and it is- it's truly an amazing setup. It's at a place. Can I? We talk about it or no? Ah, absolutely. Okay. Well, it, f- finish Marilyn Manson because he's excited. Oh, okay. and then we will I go back we'll go, to yeah. what he's doing. Okay, right, right. Well, we had a guest on who was uh, uh, not Marilyn Manson. Not Marilyn Manson. Ryan Brown, who was Marilyn's uh, really good friend of mine, but Marilyn Manson's tour handler for a, a few of his uh, last couple tours. And Ryan spoke fairly candidly about just life on the road with him and everything. And and then Brian put the podcast up and used, you know, it said the podcast said Hollywood Anonymous, Ryan Brown and Marilyn Manson. Yeah, which I shouldn't have done. And Ryan immediately <laughs> called and said, hey, can you change the title? Because he Googles his name and what, he has a, an alert that tells him when his name is being mentioned. And I was like, I think you're being, a, we'll try to change the title, but I think you're being a little bit ridiculous. Like, I don't see this being something that will come back to bite you in the ass. They no longer work together. And about three weeks ago, I start getting texts going, I knew it was going to happen one day. 
but he's I've been on the phone all morning getting yelled at by his management who are then like they're just he's he listened to the show he didn't like what he heard <laughs> and, and he called up his and he was trying to have Ryan, he liked my stuff Dave. he, he, was he liked to, what I had to say he was trying to have Ryan fired even though Ryan doesn't work for him anymore it was <laughs> it was actually super comical no, just fire him in general fire him from something Fi- he needs to be fired off the planet in a something. cannon fire him from that podcast so in honor of Marilyn Manson we have fired uh, uh um Ryan from well, the, from the show, but he also might be a guest eventually. Yeah, uh, so we will we rehire him. And yeah. It will be a glorious day. Oh yeah, you should title every episode Marilyn Manson. Just so he listens, <laughs> yeah. and we never mention him. He just goes crazy getting these pings for these podcasts he's mentioned in. Like, why do they keep using my name? I guarantee, if we did that long enough, we'd get like a cease and desist, like from his. Like, what are you doing with his name? Stop doing that. Like, they'd become irritated because he would probably listen to every every episode. We get one until, more until we drop the Marilyn Manson. Somewhere yeah. in the podcast, which we don't, which we don't. Yeah, yeah I no. should just start a Marilyn Manson podcast. Do it. With, well, you know that's not talking about it. It's, <laughs> it's like the it's like the YouTube video trick, and I'm sure you guys have probably seen this before. And uh, you either know about it or you it's caught your eye, or you've been you, you know, stick one frame of breasts in oh, your yeah. video. And, and what ends up happening is, yeah, and then somebody notices it, so it'll blip when the video starts, and and it basically makes people go back and watch it over and over again because they can't figure out why they just saw boobs, boobs. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. You put like it's just a chicken in a bikini, any kind yeah. of thing in the thumbnail, you're gonna get a million more views. Than... Yeah, but you're, what are the quality? Like, you want those people? I mean, some people would. Mm. I, you know, no. Sam Tripoli had a very funny post though. He went to the Metallica played a surprise show at the Henry Fonda, which is a small uh, or music box, which is a small theater in Hollywood, and. Uh, <laughs> He live streamed it on his phone. So it's a rare Metallica concert being live streamed live. It's a live stream. And so the next day he posted like something that was like um a 1.5 million guys tune in to watch a woman eat pudding in a in a bra. Three people tune in to watch me live stream Metallica. I was like that so that says a lot about where where we're at as society. There I, I guess funny. there I saw this somewhere Wait. that there's the woman that like she smashes bread with her face and she's got like, you know, uh, uh, thousands of people uh, follow her to to watch her smash bread. She literally rolls her face on bread and that that's kind of the whole thing. I mean every porn clip is viral. If you look at the yeah. numbers. Oh man. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A, if you could include one thumbnail from that porn in your, you'd get like a lot of those. Look, I'm not against it. I think it's, yeah. I think it's been great for the internet. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's built it's, the internet. It's basically. trickery. It's trickery, but uh, no, no porn. Oh, porn. Oh, porn <laughs> is porn. Basic is has built the internet. It, it brought all the people to the internet. That's it. Would not be the same without it. That and that chat is, rooms. No, there's is, absolutely no. God, all the technology. Chat rooms? Uh, yeah. the chat rooms. I was always afraid of those. Man, everything you read was like they're gonna lure. You're gonna be poisoned and put in a van. <laughs> Chat rooms. I always felt creepy ever going into a chat room because I was like, I think people can tell I'm older. <laughs> I don't know. By the way, this is a great three beard show, and you guys look like you've. I, I'm I'm new to the beard thing, and I'm getting rid of it more. I'm, I'm planning on getting rid of it soon because I grew mine for my kids. But I don't, and you hey guys kids, look like uh, hey kids. Dad's got a beard. <laughs> Thank God. It's Merry Christmas, everybody. It is. It's a show. It's a show to grow it, and it's a show to take it off because it changes your your appearance, and they find it. Hilarious. Okay, okay. So it's it's. Uh, it, I don't. I I, I can't. Kids explain are it, amused by. Daddy, yeah. daddy, show me the beard show. Yeah, <laughs> but like, I can't do uh, that. I just shaved it off because that's what you wanted to see. Like, well, now we want to see it back no, on. I, You're we, like, I can. I can't I think I could get it back if I had to. <laughs> yeah, but not right away. No, not Unless right you just away. think real hard, it grows. No, I got to go through the creepy phase. But the um, yeah. I can't. I, reason why I want it gone, I, and you guys seem like you're committed. I can't. I really freak out when food gets caught in it. Not me. That's what I'm saying. You you. How long you had a beard, Dave? 
Uh, on and off for you know twelve years. At okay. Least. And you've had it, obviously, you know, for a long time. So you, you have to... upwards of 18 years. And yeah. obviously, it doesn't bother you. Otherwise, you would get rid of it. I think what, the only thing that really bothers me is my mustache gets too long. And when I'm eating, I start to bite mustache hair. Oh, good. That, that bothers sounds me. delicious. I then have to go trim my mustache. Yeah, I mean, I'm all right. I'm all, I need to trim it. I hate when I'm, like, drinking a beer and then it's, like... Yeah, just, all frosty. Yeah, frosty Because then you have to suck that in, right? You have to suck the stuff that's in there? <laughs> I don't get suck, suck it Suck the in. moisture off. I just wipe it off. I don't, I'm not just sucking my mustache <laughs> like a <beer. laughs> I would. I could. I could also bite my like soul patch and put that <laughs> in my mouth, which I do occasionally for some reason. All right. So back to your show. Sorry. Oh. So now we're back to the show, which is again just for recap. Uh, name comp- of the show. Yeah. Well. The, yeah. The na- oh, bl- blind. Not the name of our show. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I was like recap. If people are listening, <laughs> they should see the um, Dave. Not only upon being a accomplished stand-up comedian, you've been mm-hmm. on Fallon, yeah. uh, one Laughing Skull, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you you moved out here and you started producing a comedy show with a couple, a couple other people, and that the show at the Blind Barber is. If you ever get a chance to check it out, it's in Venice. Well, no, it's, it's in Culver, Culver, City. Culver City. Yeah, um, but when I first got the only time I did a show there, I was booked, and I showed up. I was with my brother, and it's just like there was like five black dudes in this barber shop getting their hair cut, and then I I was like, oh, where do they do the comedy? Like, because I hear like, oh, it's a sold out show, and I'm like. Well, yeah, it's sold out. There's only five, five or six barber chairs in here. Like, what is the deal? And the guy's like, just go through the, you know. He goes, he goes, yeah, you come in. And then I was like, I walked in, and they were kind of like looking at me, laughing, because like, they knew, they knew. And I was like, okay, so I just kind of went to the back and, and opened the door. There's a whole bar back there. It's like a speakeasy. Like it was obviously made back in the time in the 20s. Like, yes. where is this exactly? It was not I, made in the back. No, of the time it was this. so it was made for now. I thought it was like something that, like a building that was like specifically designed for that. Like it, speakeasy it, thing it, back in the day. I think it was specifically designed to make you believe that it was designed to ah, be. Gotcha. In, in a building that is also the front part of it is a Best Buy. Oh, okay. So definitely not built the 1920s. I, I mean the the <laughs> the actual, that fucking part of the building itself. I didn't mean they, it was like the Best Buy was built in the 20s. They, they built the whole, <laughs> that was it. But it is a speakeasy, and yeah. So there's the barber shop, and there's no signs for the bar, and then you go through, and then there's a hidden... And how did you find out about the place to even begin with? So this is, you know, I think this is keeping with the theme of your show. Well, I moved out here in 2013, and I moved to West LA, and I didn't realize that not as many comedians live in West LA as they do. No, but other- by the way, I want I I started I lived in West LA as well. I lived right off of Bagley, which yeah. is right over right yeah, across yeah, the street. Uh, and I get 20 minutes from everything, man. You're closer to the beach. You're 20 minutes. That's one thing I will say about living in that area. A lot easier to get around. Yeah, I mean, I I like it. I love it over there. And, and there are like what I've come to find is there are comedians over there. Once I, you know, there's like comedians that live like two blocks away from me. And, right. And so there, there are people that live over there. So, uh, but I moved over there, and I this is the first time I was ever living with people I didn't know. Oh, you did that whole thing. Where'd you come from, by the way? I came from the Cincinnati. Oh, Cincinnati. Okay. I lived in New York City before that. Okay. And that's where you went to, like, you yeah. started comedy in Cincy, but then you moved to New York to yeah, yeah. keep going. Yeah. Okay. So I came out here, and then I I ran into this guy, uh, Nick Anthony, who's one of the producers of the show, and then Grant Lyon, and they both lived in that neighborhood. So they're like, hey, man, we'll take you out one night. Because I was, like, new and, like, oh, God, you know, the yeah. overwhelm. So we went to this bar called the Father's Office, which is- Yeah, a, my that, father's office. That's Santa Monica. That's in Culver City. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. And that's like a good bar. But we got there, and it was like they were closing. I think it was maybe a Monday or Tuesday night. 
So like, hey, let's go up this place called the Blind Barber, and then we go in this, th- we go through the speakeasy, and then I'm like, man, this place is too cool for me. But it was like a Monday or Tuesday, so it wasn't on the weekends. The place is kind of nightclubby, but it was not, yeah, you know. And there were some people in there, and no dress code though, no dress code. And then it gets the last call, and they're like, if you guys want to stay, <laughs> you got to play musical chairs, and we're like, what? And they're like, yeah, we're gonna lock the doors and we're play musical chairs, and we're like. All right. But. Okay, that's the first time I've ever heard anything like that. If wow. you want to stay at a bar, you, you got to play, play musical music. chairs. But sure. continue. But I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So they set up. They start playing musical chairs, and then <clears throat> Nick is uh, super competitive. Like he's, <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna win. He's like almost knocking girls out of the way, <laughs> and, and I'm like, whatever. This is all just super bizarre. The whole thing. Yeah. And then afterwards, the guys, the bartender, and like one of the guys is like helps promote events there they like buy us a round of shots and then they look at us and they go you guys look like writers <laughs> which is to be the writers yeah. or writers writers, writers. writers. Okay. meaning you don't have faces for television so you're probably writing and we're not dressed like right. cool guys right so we're like nah we're comedians and they're like oh shit man we want to do a comedy show here so it wasn't like we were looking you weren't going out scouting places no it just fell in your lap and we were like yeah, I mean, this place is cool. So, and then, you know, the main thing we did, you know, in Grant Lyon and, and then Andy Peters came on. So there's four of us. And the main thing we did that set it apart is that we, like, told them it had to be exclusive. We didn't want anybody in there. That wasn't there for the comedy. Yes. We made it exclusive. Which, for those of you that don't know, that is a big killer of comedy in bars is when people try to run shows and then they allow people in there that are there for a game or to just drink and talk right. with their friends. Yeah. It interferes with the flow of the comedy flow. How big sure. is this place that you... So, I mean, like, what... like It holds, a, you know, it holds 100 people comfortably. Okay. Now, there's been more people They've, in there. The, when I did it, there was definitely more than 100 people in there and that was... I'm telling you, that was when they first started it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, we... We set the now we have so we we put it on every blog. Every, is it a straight up comedy show or is there? Is there is you know, there? we initially try to do some other bullshit, mm. but the stage isn't big enough to okay. do sketches so, or. And we try to have music, and it just it did you know comedy is what's working. So there. it's just stand up. Yeah, okay. and I mean when we we've done the show at other places, like we've done it at the Improv, and we'll hire like a jazz pianist and an upright bassist, and then we. Decorate the stage there to give it the old timey feel. Like there is an old timey feel of the blind barber. So okay. when we we've done the show there, and then we did it at this El Segundo Comedy Festival down in El Segundo at this old theater, and we had the musicians. So we try to bring the same flair uh, wherever we, you put the show on. But we yeah. put it on like and Grant Lyon. I mean, God bless him. I mean, he's, he wrote a press release for the first show and and made it exclusive. We set up this email and then. So we got people to be on the email list, and then from there, it just snowballed. I mean, the email list is over a thousand people. Now. Wow! Right, and, and only a hundred of them can get in each each week, or what's well, a monthly show, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, which is the other smart move. Yeah, we and then we we really, you know, since there's four of us, and I've been around comedy long enough, I. We all know enough really good people, and I mean, it's not was, like it's hard finding comics to be now on the all show. All four of you guys are also performing, so how- not always oh, okay. because we travel. So there's times we're not there, and okay. then we'll take turns. You know, uh, usually the least two of us will be on it. Okay, 
And uh, is it is it a lot of repeat customers? So is it hard for you guys when you're running the shows? You have to keep working on new material. Like for you, is that? I mean, well, since it's a monthly, you know, I mean, I try to have, you know, that gives me enough time because usually we give like people like John or we usually, you know give them like ten minutes and you know someone like a a real big name will give them like twenty minutes, you know. But you know, me, I'll do like five to seven. Oh, so okay. hopefully in a month. You have to come up with another five and <laughs> yeah. or something that you're working and now on. Now I've established enough goodwill that I don't feel the same pressure to be like crush it. You right. know, sometimes I will, and sometimes when we make the lineup, they, I'll put myself after somebody where I'm like, ah, "This guy's funny, but I don't know how they're in it, or this lady's fun. I don't know how they're right. doing the room." I need to go up there, maybe. Now, know. when you say they don't do in the room, is there a dynamic to that room that's different than uh, just doing I don't in, think any, the in any given night? In like, the room is probably more like a comedy club audience than like an alt room. Yeah. It's more... Meaning that if it so, means more, you got to deliver. You got to deliver, and it's more like regular... Not comedy nerd. I mean, there probably is a percentage of like comedy nerds. These people are just there to laugh. They just want to laugh. They don't care who you are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they do care. I mean, they get excited with like certain people. You know, we had like Tom Sakura or something, you know, or like, you know, somebody that's on people's radar. I mean, right. they get excited. You know what I mean? But it's not like they don't. They don't allow a lot of noodling from a comedians. You okay, know what I mean? There's it. not a lot of what do you guys want to talk about? And so <laughs> what's, right. what? What else is new? Now here's the thing: Did you before you moved here, and did you had you ever run rooms before? Yeah, I mean I've ran, sh- but I'm not the. I mean, meaning that I didn't know if you like that dynamic because I'm assuming you get hit up all the time. So you have to you have to kind of be okay with getting hit up for stage time, right? Yeah, I mean, but I mean we. I mean, it's now it's hard to keep it off the radar that, like, I mean, some people don't even know that the show, like, that I'm a part of the show or okay. whatever. You well, know? they do now. I, and I don't really ever, you know, but they yeah. know now and, and because because it's been four years. But, I, you know, I would hope they would look at the lineup, the lineups that we have, and then you got to ask yourself, do I deserve to be on the show? You know? Right, I mean? right. And I think most people get it. I mean, we're, we book people that... Our headliners everywhere, or been on TV. You know, I mean, we're not our. We never spot trade with our show. We want to put on the best show, and that's why after four years, it's it's one of the best shows in the city. And I feel like, like I was talking about earlier, I get invited to a lot of comedy shows that that never have never booked me, and I find that kind of interesting. When I know it's just a blanket invite, but like <clears throat> I don't see. Uh, I don't get inundated with posts about blind barber shows. No, uh, we don't. I follow all you guys social on social media and almost every aspect of social media, and I don't see like there are some shows. I'm like, oh my god, okay, I get it. There's a show. I mean, we don't have to. Yeah, that's the that's we what I'm saying. The lineups are so we, good. The word of mouth is so good. I mean, the people in the area e- know the I show. Mean, we have an email list of a thousand over a thousand. When we send the email out. Within a half hour, it's sold out. It's was sold out. Yeah, when it's sold, it's sold out. Are you charging to get in and We're everything? Not charging. Not, okay, but we are. Like we made a deal with the bar, so we are getting like <clears throat> some money. If you're packing it out and, and we, they're seated there to see comedy and they're also drinking, you should get some of that. Yeah, and I mean, what our show, you know, obviously, you know, you know, nobody makes money, but I mean, what our show we do give. I mean, so a lot of shows you get drinks, but we also give free 
we you get a meal if you do. They, oh, they serve food there as well. Yeah, but we okay. get you know comedians can get a meal there. Okay. Yeah. Which, by the way, the meal to me is much more enticing than drinks right. because if I drive there, right. like I love when I drive somewhere, they're like all the beer you can drink. I'm like all the DUIs I can handle. Awesome. <laughs> like, but a meal. I mean, a comic. Like you said, we don't make a lot of money, and free food is free. Meals food. a meal. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's a way to. Hey, hang out with some of these people like that I've worked with over the years and get and get in t- contact with you know some of these guys. It's like, are we like I, I, I'd like to be better friends with this person, you know? Right. So it's like it gives me a reason to like reach out to somebody like John Doerr, who I think is hilarious. Oh, John out. Doerr is awesome. That dude hang is out super with funny. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. So it, you know that's part of the allure of booking a show and 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 with a reputation that's good, a guy like John Doerr is going to go. Yeah, I'll do. I mean, John Doerr would probably do. Your show, if it wasn't good, but yeah. I'm saying he would all <laughs> no, just because that's the kind of yeah, guy but he I, is. I, like I, I'm aware enough because because I get annoyed when I go to a show and it's terrible. Yeah, and you've driven there and put time and effort and like, into thinking yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, and especially if somebody asks me. So I don't. I I feel super confident asking somebody to be on my show. Right, it's right. going to have a crowd. The, the lineup is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Whether you're there or not, you should want to be there. Yes. Yeah. I have no qualms about asking anybody to be right. on. And, you know, recently, uh, in December, like uh, like a week before Thanksgiving, Live Nation reached out to us and was like, Dave Chappelle is looking to do a venue that isn't in Hollywood. And, and from there, it ended up like kind of snowballing. And then Dave Chappelle did the room two nights in a row. He did a Monday and Tuesday night at like 11 p.m. there. So did you, have yeah. to, you, had to have a, you had to add a show. Yeah. Now, did you promote we, him, or you just you just add to. shows and you don't tell you don't tell people? So we did our regular show on the Monday night, and he at, showed at up seven thirty, and he just showed up. No, no, no. So what happened was we did our regular show, and then Live Nation and Ticketmaster sold tickets to an eleven p.m. show on the Monday. That had nothing to do with you. Well, I mean, yeah. you helped set it up in the sense that we established comedy there, right? We had the exclusive, so it was us. And then the blind barber got it. Okay, were the people that announced it to the world. Nobody oh, cool. else. That's awesome. So uh, you announced that they could get tickets on Ticketmaster, but yeah, Ticketmaster wasn't running ads for it. Right. Nobody else. So we were, and we also were allowed to send it out to our email list of a thousand people. Oh, you were okay. So this, so that was kind of the select nature of what you. What uh, I mean, what obviously, it's like such a big deal. Like that, yeah. You know, oh yeah. So, but the fact that we had the exclusive, and then we were the ones that set up comedy there, you know. So, and then, so did you guys do a second show on Tuesday as well, no, along we, with him, or no? It was we, just him, just him. Oh, okay. So you know, we did the show on the the Monday. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, like like I said, like usually a hundred people there, but there was probably like uh, they sold a hundred tickets for each show, but there was more because Dave brought all his people. And yeah, they, he comes with like twelve, thirteen, fifteen yeah, people. I'm and, assuming there was more people that just wanted to try to get in as well when they. Yeah, I mean out, they right? were. I mean, they were had the place on lockdown, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they had the little pouches where they the locked phones. people's phones. And yeah. TMZ was there. Yeah, he's gear- he's obviously gearing up for a new special yeah. or a new tour because he's been popping around, which, which I love, too. Smaller shows. He's not just hitting these comedy clubs. He's doing these smaller shows yeah. and doing yeah. last-minute announcements. Right. And still, you guys are able to sell, immediately I mean, sell out. I mean, for our show, I mean, we already knew the show, but for our show, the fact that he came to the place that 
because he knew there was an audience, because he'd heard there was an audience. Because I mean, if his management's reaching out to you, they've yeah. done their research. So, yeah. So the it was like the ultimate validation for yeah. our show. Yeah. And then and your fans, the people that come to that show, they're yeah. getting that email like, oh man, we're we're into something. Yeah. Even if there's only a, there's a thousand emails that go out, that's still a thousand people. You know how many people are in Los Angeles? Just a thousand people knowing about something is still small. Yeah. And still like I mean, it, it's insider info. Like, yeah. It yeah. Went, once it, it gets went out, viral yeah, immediately. It's, it's, yeah. Really, and. And I, I mean, I saw some of our regulars that got tickets. Good. So some of our regulars Good. were able Benefited. to buy tickets because Good. it sold out in one minute. You right. Know? <laughs> and there was a couple of comedians that I saw that got tickets both nights. And and then, like, on the Monday night, uh, man, it was crazy. The power went out. Oh. The power went out. And I was like, oh, fuck. Because they brought in all this extra equipment. I was like, oh, they burned the, or they blew a fuse? And then all of a sudden it kicked back on, and everybody clapped. And I'm like, all right. But they, they brought What extra in, equipment are they bringing in? They brought in all these big lights. And Wait a minute, so they were recording this stuff They as weren't well. recording. They were just... Making they, it... They just brought in extra lights. I mean, our lighting system is just... It's, it's not like a spotlight. I mean, the, the lighting works, but it's not like... Set per- up for a show. I mean, there was like... His light would turn red and blue. You know, it was okay. like this fancy-ass okay. light. Got so, it, I see. But they brought a fog machine in it on... Monday and the fog machine at some point set off the fire alarm. Oh Jesus! And this is like everybody's in the room waiting for the show to start. It's like ten forty five, ten thirty or something, and the fucking fire alarm. Start. But the, the building is owned by Best Buy, so they don't have the key to turn it off. And then uh. the fire alarm is just going off for like fifteen minutes straight. And then I'm outside smoking, and I see Dave pull up in like you know an SUV, black black SUV, you know, and then the Live Nation guy goes out and talks to him, and then Dave speeds off, and I'm like, he's never coming back. You know what I mean? In my mind, I'm like, he's uh, never coming back. It's, it wouldn't be unheard of to Dave Chappelle to right, disappear. So right, I was right, like, right. well, that was, was fun, fun was, idea. That was fun. <laughs> and, and then uh, they had to call the Culver City Fire Department, and the fucking big ass fire truck shows up. And they, if we're going to do this, let's do it big. Guys, yeah. Let's do it. And yeah. then they turn off the fire alarm, and then. Uh, Finally, the show started at like eleven ten. Why a like, smoke machine? I don't know, man. Because they want to be cool, dog. It's cool. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know what I mean? Like for just, if if these yeah, are just, I don't yeah. know. It's just, I don't it's, know. It's, I'm intrigued by all these like little extra things that were okay. So anyway, so so I mean, finally, was, and then finally uh, the show started, and then uh, Grant Lyon he got. The, I mean, because in my mind, Grant he does all the administrative work. Like I'm like the fun guy. You yeah. Know? I give out people the drink tickets. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Everyone's happy to see you. Meanwhile, he's like, you got to have a ticket to get in. You got to have. <laughs> yeah, he's out there with his bow tie on and he he, he emails all the people. <laughs> right. You know, and I book, I help book a lot, you know. So, but I know, in my mind, I know Grant, he's the fucking, he's the, he's the man when it comes to the working on the show. So it was, it was no doubt that he was going to be the one that got to, to do the set. Him. Yeah. And then Donnell Rollins went up, and then Dave went on until 2 in the morning. And apparently Jonah Hill and Bradley Cooper were there, which I never actually saw them, and which is crazy because there's a TMZ video of them being interviewed with Dave outside of the Blind Barber. And then at one point, they, they, there was like a camera shake, and you see me in the background just smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and if I had just looked over, you I would have been- saw it. <laughs> I would have saw it, but I didn't. I, and yeah, it, you're preoccupied. Yeah, and, and Grant said he talked to him. Like Grant, Grant said, Jonah Hill was asking him about these jokes and shit like that. And I was like, oh man, 
And I just I I completely missed out on all that nonsense. That's the beauty to me though. That's the beauty of Hollywood in general is that you can be standing somewhere and like somebody that you'd love to meet or see would walks right behind you and you have no idea. And then the next night, uh, since the show started on time, the Live Nation people get they were like, you get two of you can go up. And unfortunately, Andy didn't get to go up. You know. It, but I did get to go up. I mean, I probably would have thrown the biggest fit out of everybody because <laughs> I was like, oh, man, this I love Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Be, you know, to perform on the same show. I mean, I'll never, you know, like some of those guys use it as like a credit or whatever. Oh, yeah. This next guy opened for Chappelle when Chappelle asked to come into the room. Right, <laughs> right. He went on and did five minutes ahead of him. So, like, Nick, Nick went up and did a set, and then I did, like, seven, and then, like, Donna Ron, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it was amazing. You yeah. Know? Donnell's funny, man. He can be really funny. Yeah, yeah. And then him, and, and then he went back up on stage when Dave was up there, and they riffed together. And he was nice. like, "He's like, would have been crazy if if Dave would have went back to Africa right before SNL like that week." <laughs> and they were just laughing. It was so cool to watch him and like a guy that they're clearly yeah, they're friends, the, yeah, fucking around on stage. You know, is that and to see like. From the one night he did like two hours to the next night where he did like an hour to see how much changes he made and like how and, focused it became. And, yeah, it tightened it up in just one day like that. Yeah. So I mean it was just an awesome experience. I mean all I got to afterwards I got to say like what's up to him for like a minute, but it was fucking <laughs> Yeah, but, but that's that but that's great. And and like his crew was like super cause I went up like they like they 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 recognized that was funny and like they were being real cool to me and the right. fucking, the DJ brought was you know, so it was just like it was all like super, super cool. Yeah. And then, you know, two days later, I flew to Atlanta and then I was headlining a show for and, and only eight people were there. You know what I mean? That's comedy, <sighs> that's, man. That's, yeah. that's straight up and comedy. So, like, I went from like, man, I can't believe this is happening to, ah, oh, I can't, can't believe, believe this, this is, is happening. happening. Dude, that's, I try to, I, yeah, I had a friend. I don't know if you've ever had people that you know in your life that aren't, do, that, that don't do comedy that might live out here that are like, hey, I've been, I had this one phrase like I'm thinking about getting into stand up and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Like, I'm not going to discourage anybody. Like, no. you got dreams, you follow your dreams." He's like, "Do you mind if I hang out with you for a night?" And I go, "Yeah, why don't you come out with me this particular night? I have two shows. And it'll be good for you to see the dynamic of the different shows." Right. One show was at the Hollywood Improv, 8 o'clock show, sold out, packed. Everybody on the lineup was great. I had a great set. Crowd was laughing. Everybody was having fun. It's literally what you want every night when you go do comedy. And he was like, "Wow, dude, that was awesome." I go, "Oh, yeah, but we're not done." Get in the car. We're going to go to the next show. The next show, three people, one of them homeless, like same jokes. Nobody cared. It was, you know, soul crushing. And he was like, dude, that was rough. I go, that that's you can't it not every night is going to be the improv you got you're gonna have a, 150 nights that are this before you get that and then you're gonna have 150 nights after that that are garbage so it's like you have to use your time on stage to work for what you want to do and you can't worry too much about but he was he was not interested after that. He well, was like, yeah, that's okay. Man, which is great. Well, that is great. great. I think yeah, more people should have their bubble bursted. Well, I, yeah. I mean, you or can't, just go up on stage once. You'll find out pretty quick if, you, if once you get you. on stage. You you know kind of if you belong up there. I mean, some people are delusional and they'll keep doing it, but I think for the most part, there is something in the back of your head when you take that stage for the first time, and you realize the true dynamics of separating yourself from everything that's in front of you because there, even though there's no wall there. There's a wall there, and you know that you're on the other side of that wall, and they're staring at you knowing that same thing. If you can't handle that, you get out pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, stand up's such a bizarre thing when you tell people that you do it. They're like, ooh, uh, 
I never want to do that. And yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah, I would never say that about your job. Yeah. What are you, a firefighter? Well, I that's, wouldn't want to be going into burning buildings. That's because more than 90% of most human beings are public speaking freaks the shit out of them. They're right. so scared. That's, that's, so that's their, uh, knee, their uh, knee-jerk reaction. It's kind of similar to vasectomies is I don't want to do that. Or they, you know? they're like, yeah, I always thought about trying that. It's yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. A lot of people don't have. That's the any, same answer as I'll never do that. By the way, any they, a lot of people just don't have any respect or think of it as an art form. They're just like, oh, you're just a clown. You get up there and you, you yeah, stumble yuck, around. Yuck, you know, yuck, yuck, silly stuff. It's it's always nice though when you meet people that actually understand who aren't comics who aren't in the entertainment industry, but understand a process that a comic might go through. Like watching Dave Chappelle do two hours one night and then one hour another. Like people who would complain, like he was just rambling, like he's honing things he's working on it you know what i mean it's like it is a process nobody just writes down the exact act they're going to do and then goes out on stage and does that exact act he's even george carlin rewrote and rewrote and rewrote and rewrote i mean that's what they the uh the flyer said for the uh chappelle thing the process that was the name of the good good so that people understand he's not doing the brand new hour that he's already honed he's doing he's working on that hour it's like you know i mean the you're paying seventy five dollars to a see that and to be that close. Is that what they charge seventy five bucks? But I mean, you know, he could do that in a theater. Yeah. I oh, mean, you're dude. Like, yeah, he could sell at the Wiltern doing that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So for you're sure. in that space. You're seeing something that is very, very rare. Yeah, that's that's what I I love. Just having being in the audience when Chris Rock pops into the store and works yeah. on new stuff and we'll cross things off a list it's like oh yeah and stuff won't work and i'm like oh yeah that still happens to even people like chris rock you know and and that's refreshing and and nice to see and you know uh encouraging i, think. I mean i think that's like the beauty of la is that, yeah. that we get to do stuff like that, that's exactly you know? those are the perks i mean like you know how many there's if you look at like a bebo records website you could be like oh man you could go there and and just see like Bob Weir there. Dude, Bob so. Weir played Amoeba Records a couple months back. Yeah, I know. I wish I, I went and saw him at the Wilter, but I did. I, I I was out of town, man. How was that show? It was dope because like you know his backing band was like mostly the National, that band the National. Yeah, yeah. And then I figured this might happen, but John Mayer came out on the, the second. Oh, okay. The second set and played like the Dead set, and then you know. So they did his Blue Mountain yeah. set, and then they did a Dead set. Yeah, and oh, then that's like. Cool. The lead singer from the National came out and sang with them too. So I mean, it was really dope. Yeah, and the, and that was the will. That was the will turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, LA, you just get you get that access. You get to see like these famous people or artists you respected, like these intimate small, settings. Intimate settings. You yeah, know? dude. The the craziest story. You ever heard of that bar, the No Name Bar on Fairfax? No, but I'll play along. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> but they they uh, they do they do a comedy show there every once in a while too. And a while when when Prince passed away. This guy who runs the No Name Bar uh, got a call from Dave Chappelle, and oh, maybe Chappelle's people. Who yeah. knows? You know. <clears throat> but it was basically like, look, Chappelle was a, b- a friend of Prince, was a fan. He'd like to come down and and just do some comedy, which you know I believe is a, can be therapeutic. You know what yeah. I mean? Just in general, if you've had a traumatic thing happen in your life, getting out there and making people laugh can always help you. He's walking away. Don't worry. Um, so this guy was like, yeah, of course Chappelle can come down. You know, they were, they were going to have, I think a comedy show anyway. They kind of canceled that. And then he came in and when he came in, he came in with new power generation, Prince's band. So Prince's band gets up on stage and Dave Chappelle starts doing some comedy and there's like maybe 50 people in the place total and they're eating and having their dinner or whatever. Chappelle's kind of, kind of not dicking around, but not really like, you know, he's just talking more. It's more talking, I guess. And then, so this goes on, he does like an hour, and people are loving it, and then the band is kind of playing behind him, and then uh, John Mayer walks in, 
And then John Mayer gets up on stage and starts playing with the band, and Chappelle's talking, and they're laughing and having a good time. And then fuck, at like uh, one in the morning, Stevie Wonder comes in, gets up on stage, starts playing with the new power generation and John Mayer while <laughs> Chappelle's just kind of watching. And like everyone else is like losing their minds. He's, by the end of the night, the place was packed with like friends and family of the place that were like, get down here now, get down here now. And like people just run there. But that, that's what, like, that's a se- no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I heard this all second. No one him. I, I heard this all second hand when I met the owner, and I was like, "Oh, you guys have comedy here." He's like, "Well, the other day," and I was like, oh, <laughs> "Of course." But you just but those it. kind of perks, like that, is the beauty of living somewhere like Los Angeles. You know what I mean? It's like how I you know, I met Black Sabbath because my friend was working the ESPYS, and I got to walk in a green room. You know what I mean? It's just like random things happen. Which brings me all the way back. So you are. From Cincinnati or not Cincinnati proper? What, not Cincinnati proper. Uh, okay. Northern Kentucky, right across the river. Okay, so you're right there. And when did you actually start in comedy, stand-up? I started comedy in 2004. 2004, okay. And why did you do it back then? Like, what was the driving force of you wanting to even get into it? Uh, I mean, I've talked about this on a bunch of podcasts. but All right, then never mind. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's... Uh, I had a job at a Fidelity Investments. I, I so you're a smart it. kid. No, I was at the bottom rung of the corporate ladder, and I never really, I don't know if I could have ever figured out how to, I think maybe now, I don't know, I, who knows if I give a shit. I think if I went back and had like a regular job, I probably could move up, depending on Oh, where. okay. But then I didn't have any motivation, and I didn't really have uh, a ton of friends. I mean, all my friends started getting married, and they started having a life, and and I was like, man, I got, man, I got dick going on. <laughs> I, and then, uh, and, and then I saw an article about a stand-up comedy class in the newspaper. And I, a couple years earlier, I took a book out of the library, like how to be a stand-up comedian. And it always been in the back of my mind, even like, when you were a little kid. When I was like a, you know, probably a little kid and like early teenager. Then once okay. I found like rock and roll and like smoking weed, I kind of was like comedy. But like in the nineties, <laughs> comedy. After the boom, it wasn't on TV and it was yeah. kind of dumb. And yeah. so I just kind of fell out of it, you know? And then all of a sudden, I was like, man, I want to do this. And I took the class, and then and then from there, it just kind of snowballed. There are, are there a lot of clubs in that general area for you to develop when you started doing yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, there... there's a, you know, because the cities are all very clustered together. Right, right. And they all have clubs, right? They all have comedy clubs. And they were all, you know, a lot of the places we could, I could work, get off work, you know. And we'd all pilot a car together like five thirty, you know, and then drive to the place and get to you know we could get to Lexington by seven and sign up for their mic at the club or Dayton or Louisville or Indianapolis, like all these places within between a two hour an hour drive or two hour drive. There's like six cities that have comedy clubs besides the clubs that are already in Cincinnati. And right. how long did you do the club circuit before? When did you move to New York? Uh, after six years. Okay. So let me ask you something, because I kind of felt I, this... I did that show live at Gotham. You did that, right? Yeah. On Comedy Central. I got that from Cincinnati. From Cincinnati, okay. And I was like... <clears throat> but I had enough sense that I was like, well, the odds of me getting on TV again from Cincinnati are super slim. The fact that I got on once was bananas. Well, I think it says a lot about who you are as a comic. You're very funny. And yeah. uh, you know what I mean? That, that shines coming out of somewhere like Cincinnati... You're right. You don't see a lot of guys like 
who don't get it out of New York, L.A., or yeah. Chicago. I mean, now you know, then there's like Austin and Minneapolis. Now, now yeah. it's grown, and that with the LA. internet, and people yeah. can grab and see clips. Yeah. And but what I was going to ask you was because I when I started in stand up. Uh, I came out of Milwaukee, and that area was just was was riddled with a lot of clubs. Back, it's not as much now, but back then it did. And I'm always curious, like because I found that my development happened a lot faster because there was a lot, I, I got more of the club environment. I got more weekend MC gigs out of it. I was able to get into the system a lot faster versus a lot of people. Like they'll start out here in a bigger city. They got to do a lot of open mics, a lot of open mics. It's very hard to get club gigs. Yeah. Oh when yeah, you start in a big city. So did you feel like you developed? Like when you look back on it, you're like, thank God I started where I started and, and was able to yeah. do what I did because I mean, of development. I feel like I developed a lot faster because. I had to perform in front of real people All immediately, time, yeah. and it's a different. You got to get laughs, or you're not going to get work, yeah. and you're not going to beat. You know, you, you got to make motherfuckers laugh. You know, yeah. when you're like, a, you could be in the open mic scene for years, and and you might actually be funny, but the comedians aren't going to give it up. To no. you. I mean, every every you know, there's like that one guy. You go to a mic, and then everybody comes in and actually watches somebody. But that guy earned that over fucking who yeah. knows how long. Long and time. Maybe, and, and maybe they're killing it in a mic, and then they go in front of real people, and real people are like, man, this ain't for us. Yeah, that's for fucking weirdos. Yeah, did you do a lot of entertaining weirdos? Yeah, did you do a lot of open mics as well? Were there a lot of open mics back then, or or you didn't I mean, have to because of? That, I mean, now like you would consider the shows we did shows because they had real people like, always. Yeah, yeah, like we would if we showed up to an open mic, or you know, one we were running, and there was no audience. We just didn't do the show. Right. We didn't do it for each other. We were like, well, I guess that I can't believe nobody's here tonight. You know, we're going so we home. Just, yeah. 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 The, the lamest thing I ever had somebody say to me is like, I showed up for a show. I rushed to, to, from work and I got there all quick. And he was like, he's like, yeah, you want a headline? And I was like, oh, yeah. This is like my first year into comedy. So I was like, oh, I'm going to headline a show. And I get there and there's nobody there. There's nobody there. Yeah. Like, I'm talking, there's one staff and she's like mad that she has to be there. Nobody's there. It's just me and this kid. And I'm like, oh, I guess there's no show. Because, like, well, I was thinking you could do your set for me and I could give you notes and then I could do my set for you and you could give me notes. I'm like, or hear me out. I'll go home and you can stay here. <laughs> Goodbye. Like, I wasn't doing that. I, yeah, I told you that famous story where, like, not famous story, but my story where I went all the way down to San Diego. This guy books a show. Get there. It's me and Tig, and there's nobody else except for like two old dudes sitting at the bar. And Tig did that. Tig's like, well, how about? Because uh, she she didn't have to drive very far. Like her, she had family down there. It was like the holidays. And she's like, well, I got like five minutes. I can work out. Why don't I? You got five minutes. We'll work out our jokes with each other. And I was like, uh, she's like, come on, let's I do mean, it. If, fine. <coughs> and I was like, fine. That was fine. It was fine. It was funny. The difference is Tig and this person I'm talking about. Right. No, is I'm not saying, even so comparable. Like, and, at first, yeah. I was like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, you know, why not? And then I was like, when we did it, it was fine because we were just like, I'm just gonna do. I'll you just tell me where if I'm going somewhere with this, and then I'll do the same thing. And the only difference is. We're, I'm standing on a stage and you're not. Yeah. Like, instead of us just having a conversation. Yeah. And when they, you said there were a couple people there? They weren't paying attention to us. Right. But like, literally, even when we did that, yeah, they, weren't. They, they wouldn't even turn around. Like, yeah. even though <laughs> fucking people. They, but mean, that's comedy, though, man. That's your, everybody's going to get that gig. That happens. I mean, in Cincinnati, we had, I mean, the, we had a writing session at the club, opened the doors like on an off night, like on a Tuesday. And there was like six of us, usually, or seven of us that would come to the writing set. Every once in a while, there'd be some like new person would come in. But it became like a group of us that were there every Tuesday. 
besides unless there was like a biker and we would like actually we would get up on stage and like work out jokes for each other that's fairly supportive though that's you know what i mean we would like do writing exercises together and i mean i think it definitely paid off in terms of our you know we built a thing you know but it was like you would like tell like a joke and then people would start like hey do that you know or like give you feedback (laughs) yeah completely constructive yeah yeah that's dude if you can find that support system that's got to be Super helpful, other than trying to find your own voice on your own just by yourself all the time. Right. Which and, is, and when you went to New York, did you choose New York just because of proximity to where you were living I at the time? I chose New York because I was going to move to Los Angeles with my friend Ryan, Ryan Singer. I don't even yeah, 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 I love, I love Ryan. I love Ryan Singer. Yeah, he's great. I'd saved a bunch of money. A bunch. And me and Ryan, I, I always wanted to move out here. And uh, I, we and Ryan did a gig together, and, and I... And there was like a, it was in Bloomington, Indiana, and a bunch of young guys. And there, it's a college town, so it's like practically free to drink there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I went out with the kids. You know, now they, you know, some of them are my peers now. You know, they've stuck around. This is four years, five years ago. It was five years ago. And I was like, oh man, these kids look up to us. Let's go out and hang out with them. You know, and drink. And I went out with them, and Ryan didn't go out. And later, back in the hotel, it's like, man, those guys, they wanted to hang out with you, man. He goes, I just don't have the money, and like. In my mind, we were supposed to, this was like in July, and we were supposed to move in like October to LA. And I'm like, you ain't got the money? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I got like 12 bucks or eight, 80 bucks. And I'm like, uh, I have thousands of dollars. So. Yeah, I'm ready to move. You're not. And I was like, oh, shit. So, now, is this because you didn't really know anybody in LA? People, is that why you didn't go to LA without him? Yeah, because okay. I, 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 in my mind, because li- live at Gotham, happened and i was on it in november of the previous year and mm-hmm. i was like i gotta i the clock in my brain it's went ticking. off and i was like i yeah. got to go i got to leave here this is i've reached the ceiling and i gotta go and i'd tell people i'm like i'm moving here there you know so i'd already kind of put the word on the street that i'm leaving and then all of a sudden i'm like fuck you know, and then these two young guys who just graduated from college in Cincinnati were like, we're moving to New York City and we need another roommate. And I was like, well, I know these guys and they're going there. And New York's not that far. And there's comedy there. And I know people because I've been doing comedy six years and working at Go Bananas. And they bring in New York people and I've been doing the road. And I know yeah. I know enough people there. So it ain't going to be like a total start over. And I'm moving with people. So I was like, fuck it. So Okay. Uh, by by September, I was in New York City. You awesome, know? complete change of plans. Totally fine. You adapted. Yeah, I had the money, and I. And how was it though? Now, now saying that you know people and know and saying, all right, this shouldn't be too bad. How was it? Get trying to get, integrating yourself into that system. I mean, there. I never broke into the clubs there because I didn't stay long enough. Okay, but I did break into like the independent alternative circuit. There was like, enough of there for you to say, okay, this is working I mean, I wasn't out. getting like paid really. You know, no. I was still on the road, you know what I mean? But I broke in those other rooms. Okay. And was doing all those other rooms. So you felt like, okay, I've gotten in And if enough. I would have stayed longer, I probably would have transitioned into getting in the clubs more and put the time in. But I really just wanted to perform and not go hang out. I wanted to perform so if I went out, I was going out to a show and being on a on show. On the show. I'm with you, dude. And yeah. I, I, I was like, I don't, I didn't want to go fucking just stand around and be like, I'm here. You know what I mean? I was like, I want to be like, because I'd be on the road maybe half the month, you know? So the night I would book shows 
So I'd come home and do shows every night. You know, maybe in the back of a bar or a weird place mm-hmm. in the creek in the cave. You, yeah, you know? I love so, that place. Yeah. So I, I was doing that, you know. And to, to, um, so obviously in the back of your mind, you were it was never a long-term stay in New York anyway. Yeah, because so, the weather was brutal. You know, the weather was fucked. And then I was just like, I got... I, and the city's always like, yeah, ha, ha. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's right. real, dude, it and is it, really it, it on top of It was a ton of, of fun, and yeah. I m- made a bunch of great friends, and, you know. You can go back anytime you want and still have a good time. I can go do, back Do now. clubs, do shows. Yeah, I can do shit, you know. I, I mean, I'm, I was there two years. I okay. mean, if I'd have left after the first year, I would have considered it a, a failure. Oh, okay. But after, I was like, two years. And, like, the second year is when I got Fallon in Montreal yeah. and that stuff, and I was like, well, I can leave. Now's now. the time okay. to move. I can leave. Yeah. Nobody's going to be like, oh, why is Dave leaving? It's like, yeah, of course Dave's leaving. But when you leave New York to go to LA, I don't, that's not like a give up. That's just like, a, I'm just moving. Right. Yeah. But yeah. If you were yeah. like, I'm going back I to I think Cincinnati. it's harder for people, like, I've known people that have left LA to go to New York and they come back. Well, they're pretty, they, they're they have pretty to start de- over. They're pretty defeated. Like, there's no relationship between the two cities. The only thing is, when you're in New York, like what you're talking about, if you come with accomplishments, yeah. LA is very open to you. It's not as, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're coming with stuff, which what made sense that you come here, you're not going to get the Heisman. People are going to be like, yeah, you know what? We don't, we don't, there's no right. stage time for guys with television. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I can't give proper advice to young comedians in terms of like where to move unless they. I think you just go where you want to go. You can go, go where gut. you wanted to, but I'm like, I'm like, well, your experience coming to LA is going to be different than mine, right? Yeah, because I already been doing comedy. When I moved to LA, I'd been doing comedy. I don't know, uh, eight, over eight years, but I'd already accomplished things, like you said. Yeah. So <clears throat> I could email people cold and be like, "Here's me on TV." Yeah, and <laughs> this is like, my Fallon. Here's my, you know, like, oh, okay. Here's this, you know, here's the, I, you know, I here's the. List the stuff I've done, and they're like, "Oh, I could put that on a poster." Do you like yeah. put that on? Then, then that in L.A., that is exactly what they're looking for. So, man. comedy so is funny. so. This is my question to you because comedy is such an interesting dynamic. There's, there's working in a comedy club in America, yeah. Middle America. Then there's working city clubs, like the whether it be like a New York or a Los Angeles, and and then there's stand up on TV. It is completely different. Yes. Yeah. And and, and what, can you walk? Times. Why why is it? But I mean, but what's the de- what what makes it? What goes through your head when you're doing a television set? I mean, I know there's a lot of bullshit you have to do just to get on, but like, what is it? What makes it that it different? Because there's still an audience, blah blah blah. But there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that that we're not seeing before we see you take the stage, right? I mean, I think you're physically not as close to the people. I think yeah. that's a huge difference. <laughs> and do we, is there's a gap? You're just yeah. like, I uh, mean, I, when, like on Fallon, I was pretty close. Okay. But like, when I did Last Comic Standing, you're like on a theater stage and Last Comic Standing, I went up like 22nd, you know? Yeah. The audience had been there. For yeah. four, five, six hours. And then I follow my one of my best friends, Jeff Tate, who's also from Cincinnati and has a I followed a guy that, it, I mean, me and Jeff have different comedy styles, but it's like, I followed a guy that is a bearded guy. Yeah, white, a white, a guy. white bearded dude. And that's the guy, and my best, and I and I saw the judges give him shit, and I was like, God damn it, you know yeah. what I mean? That's not, that's not a very encouraging show to be on. <laughs> Do you like, uh, I don't say I like it, but 
there's a difference also in the in the freedoms and versus the restrictions for for doing a TV set versus like when you're just on stage. I mean, I'd love kind of, I want to be on TV, so whatever well, they tell me, I, you know. I don't, but I mean, do you? So, but but there is a different challenge, though, right? Because you're on you're on a different clock for TV as well. Versus yeah, when you're in a club, you've got you have a little more leeway. You well, can with, you know with like clubs or any of that stuff, you're doing it a bunch. But like you know, I've done stand up stand up on TV three times. Mm-hmm. So I don't have, it's like, and it's been like, has it been ye- different every year, time? Years gaps. Years in gaps. Between. So it you, keeps you it, hanging on though. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but it's not like I'm learning how to do it really. You know, no, but I'm just like, curious. Oh, God, the, you know what I mean? This, is and every show is going to be different. Every show is going to give you different rules and different things. Yeah, yeah. Do you get anxiety for that kind of stuff? Oh, or no? Yeah. I mean, the week I did Fallon, like I wasn't eating because I didn't, know, they're like, it could be Thursday or next week or next month. And so I'm just like, oh God. Oh, so you and didn't get I'm a hard and fast date. That's how they do that though. Then they call you on the day. Every day. And I, I ran the set like 14 times over the weekend. So, And the, from when I originally auditioned to what ended up being on TV, half of it was different, you know? Yeah. And jokes, like I'm like taking parts of one joke and put it in like the shit doesn't, it's not in any order I've ever you're, done Yeah, it. you're hacking up your act and you're doing it yeah, in a weird... Yeah, so I was just like, uh, I mean, once they told me I actually had the date, then the anxiety level went down okay. considerably. But I was just like, you know, my roommates probably thought I was crazy. I just like lay it on the floor and like listen to music loud and shit because I just was like so overwhelmed by it all. Yeah, because it was in my mind because of the style of comedy I did. In my mind, I was like, well, maybe I'll have a half hour on Comedy Central, but I'll never do late night because I I just it never occurred to me that what I did would be on late night TV. It just didn't seem like a thing that. So it was just like, oh, oh, this is happening. Yeah. So it's interesting you bring that up. So when something with that mindset, like how does something like Fallon, how did it come about for you? Well, I won the Laughing Skull Festival in Atlanta, which is like, you know, it, it's like one of the bigger festivals now for <laughs> mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, which is a festival with a contest and kind of. Contest, and I won that. Okay. And then the booker was there and then asked me to come and audition when I was back in New York. Okay. So that's how it all came Okay. About. Okay. Only one audition? You had to only go in for him once, or did they bring you back a thousand times? It was like a showcase, but then he went out with me, you know, running the set. Okay, cool. That's interesting. So all of a sudden, you've got a uh, a comedy buddy that goes out with you and... and, uh, Critiques every fucking uh, thing you do. But look, you you can never, and like you said this, everybody, you want to be on TV, and you can't underestimate the power that television has and the effect it has for stand-up. So is it is it great that somebody is constantly giving you notes and tailoring no, your you comedy don't want in a way? Notes. You no, don't want any you just want to do your thing. No, man. but you, you also deal under- with your internal editor, right. yeah. and now there's a real life one. Yeah, and your internal like now yeah. you're in your own head, and this guy's in your head, and you're like, oh god, there's not room for all these people. But in you here. gotta put and up then, with and it then because would, and then the notes would be like, you're ninety percent there, and I'd be like, what the fuck well, does that well, mean? Yeah, where, yeah. Thanks for that vague statement. <laughs> yeah. Where's the other ten percent? What's happening? Yeah, and 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 of course, which one was the easiest find, one? Gotham, Fallon, or what was the other one? Uh, last comedy. Last comedy. Uh, as far as like notes, the comedy that you started with. For, I mean, that, the Fallon set was the best out of them. The best set, but which one was the one where you had to do the least amount in order to get on television? I mean, last comic probably. Yeah, last comic. They got too many people to give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> they do basically need people on there to go. Yeah, you're just a bearded white guy. Get out of the way. Like, they, yeah, they, yeah. They yeah. need people to knock off so that they can look like they have a super diverse. But the, fa- the you're, when you say the Fallon, the Fallon's post impact on you, for you was the best. Is that what you're saying? I well, he's the, the set, set in the general. Set itself. Yeah, yeah. 
And the post impact was probably better than. Yeah, anything. I mean, the Gotham, they taped 10 minutes and they cut it down to like four and a half. So it just, when I watched it, I was like, what? That's yeah. what you used? Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my set was like, it was okay. It wasn't like, you know, it was in a club and it was weird. You know, I didn't feel like when I went back, I was like, yeah, it was all right. I didn't. Yeah. I did like compared to like when I auditioned for it, I crushed it. But <laughs> when I did the set on the show, I mean, I was getting laughs, but it wasn't like. And I also, I might have been the first time I'd ever performed in New York City. Like I, I, you know, I, I didn't know anything. Like other people were like running their set all over town. Yeah, and you're like, what? This is I just had no set. idea. Like I was like, oh, you're running your set. like I didn't know. Like I didn't know to do. Like I. I I had fucking no. I was just some room from Cincinnati. But you'd already this ten minutes that you'd audition with it. You'd given them. You'd run and you'd done a million times and you knew I'd that. Done it, yeah. But I. But not, you weren't running all over town doing like yeah, trying like different really, things like, and making and sure it was down. Used to like a New York audience and all that sort yeah. of stuff. You know, like I did. Well, you I, also weren't wearing any of my clothes. And I it's like, it's you know, the people that lived in New York that had probably performed at the Gotham Comedy Club right. felt more comfortable. Oh, way more comfortable. Yeah, yeah of, of course. Yeah, yeah. Home is, club it, advantage. I, I remember, <clears throat> I remember being very nervous, like, I am not used to New York. I'm not used to, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and then I heard some horror stories, like, don't talk about L.A. Like, yeah. don't, you know, don't. Because Jamie Kaler, I don't know yeah. if you know Jamie, but he, he said his Gotham set was just silence. And then you watch it on TV, and, of course, they sweep. Yeah, they, they sweep. Put laughs. But he goes, dude, he was talking about driving on the 405, I think. And people were like, what, dude? We don't want to hear your L.A. shit. Like, yeah, people yeah. were just angry. And, and, you know, you hear horror stories. And then you hear just, like, just go out and have a good time. I'm just, I don't know what to do. I was like pounding Diet Cokes. Like, I'm glad that uh, Sean Patton and uh, Kyle Kinane were both on my on my Gotham. And those guys both. They were on your, uh, Sean Patton <clears throat> was on my Gotham oh. episode. Uh, okay, well, I thought he was, maybe I'm thinking of a different guy. Who There was another dude who just came into the green room. I we're mean, all standing we, there we with all these executives. We might have been on the same season. I remember Kyle Kinane being there. When I was there. We couldn't have all been on the same episode. We that would be two white guy bearded nonsense. No, but it could be the same host though, right? But No. But they filmed a bunch of episodes that week. They did, yeah. I, I, I remember Kyle Kinney wasn't on my episode, but he was like hanging out. That was at, the same year I did it. Then, at the yeah. after party or some shit. 09? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I was standing in the green room and I was like super nervous. Kyle comes in and cracks a beer and he's like, why lie about how we got here? And I was like, thank you for saying that. Thank you for being here. And then I thought it was Sean Patton who came in the room and goes, whose dick do I got to suck to get a mouthful of cum up in here? And I could not stop laughing at that. And just everyone else was like a little, the suits were put off. And I was like, dude, I love this guy. Like immediately fell in love with him. And and Kyle had always been nice and cool to me. And just his, him being there and being so calm about it and, it was just that that really helped me but i was definitely like yeah but i was out, like, like i didn't know hardly any of the people like i was just like oh man this is and then i also saw like people had like after my set like there was like agents and managers there and then like none of those people wanted to talk to me you know yeah, you know like the talk people to me that either, like, <laughs> like Aaron von Schoenfeld, she yeah. was there because they had like they were those guys were yeah they, they were like they super were nice. cool and what, yeah. like, I was hanging with them. Eric Abrams was there. Yeah, Emily yeah. So those people, Ford, yeah, those people were like cool. To me. But then like the people that I was like, oh, I want to get an agent or man. like I didn't know, I didn't know anything. So I thought like this is my fucking break. And yeah, it wasn't, wasn't even like anybody gave a shit. Yeah, that's what it, you find. Like when I got every it, time I get like a thing, I'm like, this is it. That's and, when you realize you're also a product. And you're yeah. just part of the bigger product, but I just, you know, which is fine. But sometimes you see people, they do a thing, and everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but can you know the thing about that specific? 
you never know. That's yeah, the problem. Know. It's like there's I mean, no. Now I, I now I have a much better mindset about it because I've done. You know, like when I won the Laughing Skull, there were people like wanting to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean that's like, how you got Fallon. Yeah, so like there's been times that they, you know, and. I and mean, then when I did like Montreal, I did like new faces, dirt bags. That's what I called her. <laughs> you know, where they treat you like cattle. They're like, hey, you guys have the lease going for you. Yeah. So you pay your way here and then pay for your own. Yeah, right. But the people that are, we're, but we're going to fly in Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> well, but, you know, but that makes sense because those people are making, their shows are paying for the yeah. festival. Yeah. yeah. My show is like an afterthought. You know yeah. what I mean? And how like, did that go? Uh, How did that go? That that uh, experience? Oh man! I think my... is he the first one on the show? Yeah, we've never had to actually talk about that process. We haven't talked about Montreal, but like almost everybody has. Right, done but it. I mean, we never actually talked about like the actual experience of, of well, going the same up guy there. that booked Fallon booked Montreal, so I, I I had a fairly good idea that I was going to get it. Yeah, you right. know, I was like, because I, I mean, auditioned what for was that it like actually week. being up there though, like uh, in, in it doing the, it? I I describe it as the best worst time of my life. Okay, yeah. because. Everybody's there. You're having, you know, we're drinking beers on the. That's where the first time I met like Mike Burns and Rot. Right. I went up on the roof and those dudes are like drinking on the roof and I was like, I like these guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so these like, guys are easy to like. It's they're easy yeah, to get along with. So like we're having, and then like there's like a crew group of dudes that I knew from New York were like in it. So you know Joe List and and this guy Anthony Devito. So these guys that I already knew. So. I, this was like a different experience than Live at Gotham. Now I knew everybody. Yeah. And we're up there getting fucking loose. Yeah. You know, we're going to strip club. And the, you know, we're probably having too good of a time and not focusing but, on the shit. But knowing what you know now about what you can gain out of Montreal, I think you did it exactly how you should yeah, have mean, the best fucking time you can have. But it, I would say it's the best worst time because, you know, the first night, Joe Mackey, you know, that guy, he's got the high voice, mm-hmm. you know. He went up like fifth. It crushed so hard that the industry stopped giving a fuck. The audience stopped giving a fuck. Wow. And, and I was like number eight. And I went up. At, I, and the guy I was rooming with, he went up there and ate it. And I'm like, oh, I'm staying. Oh, this is bad. He's my roommate. What am I going to tell him? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And everybody's just eating. And I'm like, oh, man. And then like Howie Mandel's like fucking practically blowing Joe Mackey because he just crushed it. I see that in the corner. Like I'm like. There's Howie Mandel and he fucking loves that guy. And then uh. I go up there and have like a so-so set. Everybody, everybody after Joe Mackey has just a so-so set. What was it like before him? Did, did he get the sweet spot? Do you think? Or yeah, did I mean, he actually... five is a good spot for a show with twelve people. So, but but did he deserve the crush? Yeah, okay. he's funny as shit. Yeah, okay. I okay. mean, okay. I, I mean, and he's a sweet guy. I'm not taking. You know, what I mean, no, 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 right, no, no, but no, sometimes no. the sweet spot does make you better. No, and no, then sometimes being eight doesn't well. make you worse either. He would either. have done well wherever, wherever he was. But he did so well that it just it, because Be- the industry people they're looking for one person. They're looking. They are. They're like there he is, and he's got that voice, and he's you he's know different. He's, he's different, and they're like hallelujah, and the rest of us were just toast. Yeah, and that was the night. That was the first night. And that's when the majority of the industry come out. So after the show, like. You know, they're talking, they I mean, they're, they might as well have just carried him down the street. And then they're talking a couple, but the rest of us, we might as well have just been lepers. Go back nobody to the roof is, and drink again. Nobody's yeah. talking to us. We go to the after party. You know, the, the night before, everybody's like, some of the industry people I knew for like Laughing Scar are like super. And then the next night, now they're like, nowhere to be. You know, it's like now you're like, 
just a fucking leopard. You're like, oh, God. you know, you're there with all your friends and you're hanging out, but but you realize you, that you guys are all in the leper corner. <laughs> yeah, you you think this is your big moment to get your dick stroked, and all of a sudden you're just fucking tugging on it yourself yeah. or something. And it's not even hard. You're like, ugh. Yeah. Boo. And then the next night, I went fifth, and I had a great set, but there wasn't the level of industry. Industry. And- I mean, I ended up getting a manager, which for like our class, I mean, there were people that. Didn't get a didn't get anything. Yeah, so I I left like I was like oh thank God I got a manager, you know, because you know like some of the other guys were like so dejected by it all because it's this thing that gets built up like oh you do Montreal this is gonna because be they the, used to it used, it used to, to be change. a thing like that it used to well, change and, careers. And, and still, you said I would say there's probably still one person every year where it does change their life. Right, but you said that for for specifically the the group that you were in it was a pay your way. Oh yeah, new so, faces has to pay their that's way. That's what I'm saying. Up there. So, but I mean, think about it for a lot of these people. If if we've been listening to anything you've been talking about, we all know this. For a lot of these guys, that's a lot of fucking money. Yeah, it's a lot. You're spending a lot, a lot of money, money to roll the dice, and if nothing happens from that, that's a tad. It can be a t- a tad bit heartbreaking. I mean, you know, going in, yeah, it, just like everything in comedy, because, that there's always a chance it's against you. But that's, that's a why lot I said of fucking the money best out of pocket time because you're at a party. And you, you know, I remember we were standing there. You paying for your own drinks. Yeah, I mean, there was some of the industry people buying you drinks, you know. And but there's it, no freebie parties. There was one freebie party. Okay. But I remember, like, waiting for the elevator to open, and, like, I knew my buddy was on the elevator, and the door opened. I was like, what's up, man? And then, like, the J.B. Smooth standing there, and I was like, oh, you know, like, so when the elevator opens, there's going to be somebody famous, you know, right. every famous. So you get, you're like, oh, like, there is this moment where you're like, oh, I'm part of this. I'm, I... Some they've said I belong here. Yeah, it's fun. It's cool. It's, you know, like yeah. I'm a, I'm one of these people now, for sure. Yeah, I'm you know I'm in the club now. I mean, I'm in the back of the club. Yeah, but uh, I'm I sitting on my tiptoes to look at the stage. But I got in the door. But how does that? Just out of curiosity, for you as as a comedian and and like kind of what you're all about. Like you said earlier, like hey, I do want to do the TV stuff and like that. And it, and everybody has goals, but from a from you as like personal development and like a comedy standpoint, how much of that is important to you versus just kind of how you roll and what you do on a daily basis as far as like the whole, like what you're all about? Like what? that environment. <laughs> like, yeah. what, like doing what, what that. Was... Like, be, like the Montreal stuff, like the indi- like saying, hey, I'm in this group and the industry related stuff versus just you doing your comedy. Like, like some people weigh, I mean, the longer fall I... very hard on the industry side and that's all they care I mean, about. The longer and then I live s- out here, I'm like, the more all the more I realize is all I can control is what I do. Right. Yeah. And the longer I stick around, it's like a battle of attrition. Uh, and if I keep getting better at this, opportunities will keep coming. Most likely. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it feels like it won't, but then they do. Yeah. Well, I, some I, people let the, that. The, the best attitude you could have is and it, to, and it's like being a, a, and staying active and staying in the scene, and you know, and maybe I'm not going to get a show, but my friend's going to get a show, and, and you can write on that show or, or be on it. Yeah, right. You know, see, that's a more healthy attitude. The reason why I ask that is because some people they taste that, you know, they get a little taste of it, and then they they base everything on that taste, and they never seem to be enjoying it anymore. Like the the reason, you know telling the jokes and doing it unless there's a goal you know every single night for them they get you can start seeing that some people get affected by this they get really mad like ah oh, man i went to montreal five years ago and it's never i've got nothing since then they get angrier and angrier and they don't seem to be enjoying any part of the process of even doing I mean, stand i've always said that if i got real bitter i would quit 
you know, and I still feel that way. And uh, I mean, there are times where I get frustrated. I get more frustrated on the road more so than I do here. And why is that? Because I've been doing that longer and I get out there and, you know, I go all the way to a place and then there's 12 people there. And I'm like, man, I left my home. Yeah. I left my house. And I get to a club that I'm like, this club's not even going to be open in six months. And the staff don't give a shit. And it's kind of a bummer. And then I'm like, well, what, the f- what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> Why did I leave LA? Yeah. Which I think, I think things are going all right for me here. I think uh, now I'm kind of established in the scene. I'm, I could do most of the really good shows here. And I feel like being here, you know, there's like, you know, John knows this. There's like, there's probably like, it hasn't happened, you know, I mean, because people know I'm gone, but it's like, if I was here more often, like, there's, you know, sometimes there's these, like, opportunities to be on TV or some sort of opportunity to be on something that maybe only pay you $200, but ultimately be worth more to your career than leaving. And, and more and more people will see that than the 12 people that saw you yeah. stand up. and yeah. So it's like, I'm like, why am I, why did I leave to do this? You know? Well, I mean? like, and there's some people that move to LA and then, I mean, literally they become career road comics and then you wonder, like, can't you just live in Iowa if that's what you're going to do? Yeah, I mean, I don't. And could you see yourself doing had, that or no? I've never had like that 40 weeks. I mean, it's always like. But could you see yourself ultimately? Would that, would you be okay with that I, if I it would, paid the bills? You know what I would, like, what I would do is if I got to the point where I did have an audience of my own and was making a fuck ton of money. I would probably do it for a couple of years to make all that money. I mean, that's why, you know, that's why Louis made a special, because there's a finite amount of time to make all the money. You know, even in like m- comedy movie stars, you have your run, like Jim Carrey had his run or Will Ferrell had his run. And then all of a sudden it's kind of over. You know, those guys will still always be, but not that big paycheck. Not the peak peak. So yeah. if I got to that point where I was making that big paycheck, I probably would stay out there for, but it would also be, I'd be traveling at a different level. Yeah, and it would be more enjoyable. Yes, you'd be flying first class. I'd be you'd flying be, yeah. first class and staying in nice hotels and have people there that love me. You yeah. know, I that's a to, different that's a that's different a, road. That's a different road. Yeah. Instead of being like, hey, I know you don't know me. Let me establish that I'm funny. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah, no, and you're staying in the comedy condo, and you're getting, you know, yeah. the 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 bartenders picking you up from the airport, in not a, a car, ratty ass car, yeah, and like mean? a 1993 so, Honda Civic. So or whatever. would I do yeah. it? Yeah, and then I would be able to pick and choose better gigs. Yeah, it would be a different animal. Yeah. Okay, take that out of the picture. What is the what ult, What's the ultimate end game for you now that you're out here? Like, what would what would be the spot that you'd be? Well, I'm still. Most? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going through a transition period where I'm trying to figure that out. Okay. Yeah. Are you now? Were you always interested in like television acting or television I'm writing or filmmaking in, or directing I'm or more producing? Interested in the acting or being a personality on TV okay. than the writing okay. aspect. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Now, did that something that developed over time, or was that always also I mean, like hand in hand when college, you were interested? I studied okay. theater a little bit. You did. Okay. And then I switched my majors. So okay. That uh, performance has always interested me more than. Writing than the behind. Do you the write or no? Or are you only? I, or you only I am write? working. Okay. I haven't written on a show, but I have like, you know, with my friends, like written scripts. You and, have okay, and you know, written stuff with my friends. So I mean, 
And like I'm like I understand I got to do more of that, you know. Well, it's only yeah. it's just good. Well, it it gives you a different perspective though. Even if your goal is still to be a performer, to ha- have a greater understanding yeah. of all the other I, moving parts also think, does help. I think as long as I I realize that like I need a partner when it comes to stuff like that. It's a really that's how I write too, man. I got to have somebody there with me to be like we got to do this and we got to do this. And so. I find that some of the stuff I write is pretty like when people read it, they're like that that was funny, and I'm like, oh, all right. So I do have. It, it, and why wouldn't it be? I know how to write funny stand-up, right. so of course I know how to write jokes and sh- other forms. Everyday, and, kind and of everyday like the formatting and all that sort of shit. And it's like, I, I, you know, I used to have, like, I was like, oh, I used to think I was like a moron. But then, I, you know, I read some books, screenwriter books, where people like, the guy's like, I had these ideas, but I couldn't ever... And then I got a partner, like I found like somebody. And uh, when you realize this, the the formula of a script, and like yeah. once you figure out how, when you're supposed to get to the middle, right. when it's supposed to be starting the third act, and once you figure that out, that becomes a little easier to put put a plot together, you know? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, there's, there's in my mind there was a stigma about trying to find somebody to help me, but now I'm like, no, I don't, I, I need somebody to help me. There's uh, nothing wrong with that. I've been on here 16 years, and I this is something that I can state is pretty much a fact. It, very few people get their shit by themselves. Yeah. Almost everybody, whether it's a writer, uh, whether it's an actor or director or producer, they ended up either being brought up with somebody or teamed up with somebody. They may not tell you that at first, and you'd be like, oh, man, that one guy. He really did it on he his got, own. I can't believe you you yeah. made it. And then when you dig deeper, they're like, oh, well, you know, I had this one person that actually brought me in. On yeah. that. And you go, okay. That's why there's no shame in that whole partnership thing, because that's how this shit works it shouldn't out here. be, man. There's it's nothing wrong with getting based. help. There's nothing wrong with giving yeah. help. It's I, very, I'm not saying you can't do it by yourself, yeah. but it's so much harder. Yeah, I mean... It, it's much easier for me to be motivated if my buddy's like, "We, you got to come over. We got to work on this script." Yeah, don't be a lazy asshole, right. and they call you out on your shit. Otherwise, yeah. you're like, "I'll write tomorrow, uh, right, right. or the next day, or so." Yeah, yeah. Um, Did I answer your question? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I think so. No, I, I honestly, <laughs> that's the first time. I mean, it, it, I also appreciate genuine honesty of like, hey, you know what? I'm still actually trying to figure out where I'm going to land. Like most people, are like they have that pre-written. Okay, yeah, they told me when I come to LA, I got to have that answer. Otherwise, people don't take you seriously. As, I, it, as I if mean, we I all mean, the have. The thing is, I'm like, I've always just tried to be funnier. I mean, right. that's the main thing, right? And, I think, and that I can think. take you so many different directions. That's what people don't understand. And that's what I've tried to figure out now. Is like, I do enjoy doing the road, but what I need to figure out is how to get fans and how, how to gain. So that when you go on the road, like you said, it becomes a different road. Yes. Yeah. So look, and, and I think that is a super honest answer. And I think the idea of being open to different things and not just saying this is my set path. If I don't do this, if I'm not writing on SNL by the time I'm this age, by by you not can do that, but that's you can, but it's just so stressful. Then you get angry at yourself <laughs> if those goals aren't reached. But, that's what but, I'm talking and about. And you might miss out on a goal or a or a path that could be really fulfilling. Look, and be really also, worthwhile. And we've all, I'm sure. I, I can't speak for you for sure, but I mean, based on the people that I know that now that I know that you know. Yeah. Um, we've all been around some people in this town that when you get together with them, they can't talk about anything else but the highs and lows of this business and how it affects them and everything business, 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 and you almost want to lose your fucking mind because there's no human being talking about it. And listen, we're all comics. We like to sit around and shoot the shit and be funny. But then there's that never stop talking about the fucking business and you're just like, and you look at them and you're like, you must be miserable inside because you can't even talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've probably gotten caught in that trap before, you know, but I, well, I think we've all gotten, 
I mean, we've, we've all, all had a taste it, of that, but, but I that's to... not who you are. No. I guarantee you, if somebody asks, tell me about Dave, they're not going to say, oh, he never stops talking about the fucking business. No, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I've tried to start to do other stuff. I mean, we have game nights in my house and getting people together outside of comedy is fun. And yes. Doing other shit, you know, organizing. You know, I organized a trip to a museum a couple, maybe two, a couple months ago. It was like nine, nine comedians came. It was just like, just do normal things. Normal stuff. <laughs> yeah. Dude, no, I'm telling you. I, look, we have breakfast sometimes on Wednesday mornings, and yeah. it's it's a relief to just talk about regular shit that's yeah. not like, I can't get any stage time, or I'm getting too much stage time, or I don't like this stage time. Okay, I've or, never actually heard anybody say I'm getting, I'm getting too, too much stage time. I'm not quite sure where that conversation <laughs> came from. Maybe from anybody. Maybe, maybe, Dave, maybe, Dave, maybe Dave Chappelle. He'd be the only one right now that says, I got too much stage time. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's a good place to wrap up. All right. Yeah. <laughs> That is. Dave's pretty easy going. He doesn't really give a shit. Uh, thank you for coming on, though. Really appreciate it. Man. Uh, thanks, man. Uh, uh, where can where can people? Uh, where are you going to be in the next? This will this will be out next week. So, uh, I'll be around L.A. All right. <laughs> uh, Website, Twitter, anything people should look you up. Everything is Dave Wait Comedy. It's DaveWaitComedy.com and Dave Wait Comedy on Twitter. And you like Twitter? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get better at it too. Yeah, you like uh, Facebook? Yeah, I fuck with that. Do you do Instagram? Instagram. Which one of those platforms do you get you personally get the most out of? Like both from like people like information shared and interaction. I mean, I think I think I'm doing a lot better on Twitter. I mean, I I do really, you know, I get a bunch of likes on Facebook on stuff. <laughs> I uh, I mean, I think Twitter is annoying now because it's like I mean, it, my reaction is like all the politics stuff. I'm like, I'm all right. I, I, I don't write about any of that. Yeah. Because I just see my whole feed. I'm like, well, this. Everyone's covering that. Yeah, everyone's covering it. <laughs> I'm gonna, in my mind, I'm like, I'm like, it's like back in like high school where I'm like, I'll just throw a funny quip in there right now in the middle of this fucking nonsense. Uh, nonsense yeah. Yeah. Break up the fucking monotony. By the way, the political stuff is funny. I've never seen so much conversation and so much information accomplish. Absolutely fucking lutely nothing. Like, yeah. you, like it literally can days upon months upon fucking uh, years can fill up your feed, and it accomplishes nothing. It's like a, it's just I mean, like unless this you flurry. take to the streets, unless you go volunteer, unless you get. Your but that, fucking, that's not what that's about, though. Your, right? Your boots on the ground. Yeah, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I it. do feel that I've told John I'm, I become less and less interested in Twitter. I get it, but I felt like that's the, the the that's to me of all of them. It seems to be the worst place to hang out. Like I'm I'm all about where do where, where do I want to hang out? Yeah. And a lot I don't I see what people like telling him on the last episode. You know the shit like that. Steve Martin, one of the, a fucking icon, one of the nicest guys in the business, gets attacked. You just like fuck you, people. Fuck, fuck Twitter sometimes with its fucking uh, yeah, anger it's and like, judgment. Hey, let's go over to this guy. I will say like, though, fucking piranhas, in, dude. This, in the shitstorm that is Twitter, if you can get something funny in there and people notice it, it's. Uh, yeah. It feels good. Yeah, yeah, it does feel good. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't. Disagree I don't need with a that. lot of likes. I just need a couple of people to be like, "I like that." Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's all I usually get. I get zero to like four likes on average. No one really likes me or cares. Also, for your uh, listeners, if they do want to come to the the Blind Barber Secret Show, the email is barbersecretshow at gmail. Easy one, like barbersecretshow at gmail, guys. You can get on that email list and you can get invited. And next time you'll be there when Chappelle or. Chris Rock, or yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, hopefully now that opens the door to like maybe you know we 
we've been trying to get like Bill Burr, so, uh, you know, like that's like the level. I mean, we got everybody. Uh, I mean, now that we have the Chappelle, that is the top level. But yeah, that level there is like we, you know, like the Pat Oswalds and mm-hmm. like the, you know, that's like the level where we have it completely. You know, but here's I will to add to that though, and this is what but I. But everybody, I mean, like. If somebody like lived in the Midwest, the, the, the price they would have to pay to see our show would be like forty dollars. Yeah, you know, maybe the, right. the talent we usually get, you know. But that being said, and I always say this at any any stand up show, um, I don't give a shit whether it's I mean minus the laundromats, but the jokes, you know, the the coffee shops, the bars, wherever you are, the one thing, and I always say this to audiences, I always remind them, those some of those people will take the stage that night, and it may not be in those people that you just listed. But it's somebody that you know is fucking amazing that five years from now, they could be possibly, you know, that same name will be shared the same way you're sharing Patton Oswalt or Bill Burr. Everybody's got to start somewhere. And it's good that your experience, that the audiences should go out and experience those people in the now so they can talk about it later. And I I, I say that because, I mean, we've all done shows where people eventually have gotten bigger. I remember before Whitney Cummings. Uh, became fucking huge, huge. She just would come to my shitty coffee shop thing, and I, I, remember, I specifically remember saying that night, "You never know who's going to rise, and it's going to be somebody you're going to see on television all the time." Yeah, and I it's mean, just this, it's the reality of the world that we're in. I mean, now that we have, because we've started in November, we did. Or no, it was it October? We had a seven and a nine thirty show. So we now we have two show. We do two shows on one night. And now we are starting to open it up more to people that we kind of recognize as like this guy, this person's on the way out. You know, we mm-hmm. are trying to get more people in on the show that are like we know are funny, but yeah, don't have you know. And look, they may never turn. It may be, unfortunately, it's the luck of the draw, man. It may never work out for them, but good. You know, funny's funny, talent is talent. You know, one way or another. By the way, you you, you don't do a podcast. I do do. A no, podcast. you do a podcast, and uh, it's called the Riff Board. Okay, and I do it with a fellow named Shane Moss. Okay. Oh, nice! And uh, it's a celebration of immaturity. Uh, it's the dumbest podcast. Mostly, it's about wieners and stuff. Oh, good! And, my kids, all my kids listen because that's all they talk about. So. And <laughs> it, it, it's like if 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 they, you know, because there's like a through line. There's a ton of callbacks. Uh, you, you probably should start at episode one. It's there like cereal for stupid people. <laughs> oh, that's a <laughs> that's a great brilliant way to, way to describe it. By the way, the reason why I asked that so last week there's time travel do, on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Characters, it's it's the dumbest thing ever. No, well, that nothing wrong with that. We all everybody's everybody else is trying to be clever. It's okay sometimes just to be dumb. Yeah. The um I, the reason why I bring that up is because so last week doing a show at the Irvine Improv and I was talking to Craig Coleman. You know, you know Coleman, right? mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Craig or not. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, full charge. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. And so um, it's, you'll appreciate this. That so we're we're he's going up and I was I was hosting the show yeah. and I'm like, you want me to say anything? He's like, dude, there's nothing to say about it. I'm like, full charge power hour. He's like, yeah, yes, yes. And we both are like all excited. I'm like, yes, of course. It's fucking you. I go up on stage and I go. This next guy, I mean, you, I mean, who here? By round of applause here, I mean, this is like a full house. Round of applause. Who, uh, who's listening to podcasts? I'm not even shitting you. This is all I heard. What? Of, 
fucking clap. And I go, no, no, no. Maybe you guys didn't hear me. I'm like, you guys don't listen to podcasts, right? Fucking dead silent. I go, no, do we have jobs? Well, this this next guy here is on one of the more popular ones. <laughs> I just fucking, I was like, well, that train already left the fucking station yeah, anyway. No one cares. Nobody so, we were so, so, listen to a podcast. No, 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 we were so fucking stoked backstage, yeah. not realizing these people were like, fuck, podcast? you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is the matter with you people? <laughs> I still believe, though, podcasting is... It's gonna be. It's not going anywhere. No, it's not going. It's anywhere. it's it's the audio version of YouTube. That shit's getting not going listeners anywhere. by the day. Uh, Dave, listener, listener. Thank you so much for coming on the Thanks show. A lot, the yeah, drive. Appreciate we appreciate it. it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything. I'll be at the uh, Brea Improv with Dan Cummins uh, the last weekend in January. Sexy. That's all I got. Tight, tight, okay. butthole tight. Should have some uh, some good information about my movie soon, too. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, that's episode 90. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for listening. Ten, ten short of a hundy. Yep. That was me doing Comic Core math. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually, at John Huck, and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>